This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Ringgit and Cents on BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning. You're tuned in to Ringgit and Cents, the show all about personal finance. And I'm Sim Wee Boon. What does it take for someone without a finance certificate to manage their own investment funds well enough that he or she will be ready for retirement before hitting 60? What kind of trades preparation does one need to ensure that there's enough for his or her future legacy? All this and more as I speak to former fund manager and author of Be Your Own Fund Manager, Lim Mei Ching, where in her book, she believes that it is possible for you to be your own fund manager, as per the title, provided that you apply both fundamental and technical analysis coupled with strict and disciplined portfolio management skills. Good morning and welcome to the show, Mei Ching. So before we get into your book, I want to hear a bit more about you. Talk to me about yourself. How did you become a fund manager and a summary of like your subsequent career paths to where you are now? Firstly, um, in 2007, I graduated with a Master of Financial Management from Canberra. So when I came back to Malaysia, I wasn't sure of my career path. So I joined investment banking, OSK Investment Banking as a management associate. And I joined various departments like debt capital market, corporate finance, asset management and research. And it's from research that I learned the most because over there, it gave me the foundation of what equity research was like. And over there, for the first time in my life, I get to visit companies, analyze companies, and also use various uh, valuation models to derive the target price of companies. Then after that, I went to Malaysian Rating Corporation, Mark, for as a fixed income analyst. But I realized that my passion still lies with equity. So I went back to equity and I joined Film Asset Management. In Film Asset Management, I also sat for Module 9 and 10 under security commission and apply for the fund, manage, fund manager license. And I learned to manage a fund in film asset management. After that, I left for Jeep Rata BSN as a fund manager as well. In totality, I have about 12 years of working experience, both from the um, buy side and sell side of equity research. Now, currently, I'm working my family. Uh, we manufacture margarine under Marico. And of course, I recently wrote a book called be your own fund manager, which is now available at major bookstores. Okay, so just now when you mentioned that you had to get a license, so just to be clear, when you become a fund manager, it is a licensed role, it is a regulated industry, but you can't come out and become a fund manager just like that. It's a licensed industry, right? Yeah, it's true. You need a few years of working experience and pass module 9 and 10 under security commission. Okay, so now let's talk about your book, Be Your Own Fund Manager. It is, it is a very interesting title, but what I want to know is, in your opinion, um, what makes a good fund manager? What kind of traits and what kind of thinking do they have to have to be a good fund manager? I think one of the characteristics is probably to have a curious mind. Always likes to ask questions, especially when you analyze companies, because companies have always um, been there and there are always risks of investing. So if you are a curious person, naturally you would do more research on the company before buying and make a more informed decision. Another thing is, I think to be a good fund manager is to be um, humble. Humble in the sense that the fund manager can be wrong and if they make mistakes, they can actually cut loss to ensure that the fund is protected from further downside risk and less egoistic. And also a good fund manager should have a very good analytical mind whereby they need to interpret data from various sources and also um, derive their own target prices based on their own assumption because market is forward-looking. So 
is the fund manager's role to forecast the future, forecast what the intrinsic value of the company going forward. And I guess to be a good fund manager is also someone who has their own conviction. Um, what I mean by own conviction is that instead of relying on secondary research out there, a good fund manager should also conduct their own research, like company visit, um, they look through the annual report, press release, and make their own assumption based on various sources and come up with their own um, target prices and own assumption instead of relying on the available sources out there in the market. So what inspired you to write this book and what do you hope to achieve with this book? Oh, that's a difficult question. Well, after 12 years working in the investment banking, I thought, why not share my experience both from the buy side and sell side equity research? I think there's also a lack of women, local women authors who previously worked in asset management and equity research that write a book on investment. So I guess it would be good if I can share real-life experience, what I feel and what I felt, both from the equity research and asset management. Basically, I wanted, I wanted to uh, write a book that is easy to understand for laymen. And it's not too hard to understand so that the, it would be able to reach a wider audience. And I actually sometimes wish that this book was given to me when I was younger as an analyst. So I wrote this book so that um, more people would be able to understand what fund management is all about, what research is all about, and how do you combine fundamental analysis and technical analysis in portfolio management. Which is what I want to talk about next, which is, as you coined in the book, FATA, it's the marriage of fundamental and technical analysis, which forms the basis of kind of a stock investing in your opinion through the book. So maybe um, could, could you just quickly distill to the listeners out there why these two are important and they form the core tools of how you should look at stocks? Okay, FATA, basically, it comes from the Chinese word called FATA, which is called prosperity. <laughs> so I thought it's quite fun to relate to that to make it more humorous. And so what is FATA? Okay, FATA is a combination, as you say, is a combination of fundamental analysis and technical analysis. So what is fundamental analysis? Fundamental analysis is basically some sort like value investing. And people usually use fundamental analysis to find the intrinsic value of a stock by looking at the financial metrics like profit and loss, balance sheet, cash flow. And Fundamental analysis is usually use various valuation models to derive target prices. As for technical analysis, it's basically the psychological aspect of uh, the stock price. You study trends, study behavior of the stock, and to see whether the buyers is in control or the sellers is in control. So to a certain extent, fundamental analysis and technical analysis contradict each other because Fundamental analysis is usually used for long-term investment, while technical analysis is usually used for short-term. But I guess instead of arguing which is better, I actually incorporate both in analysis into the book under the concept of FATA, which means it combines both fundamental and technical analysis. Now, um, in, order to, in order to apply this concept, both fundamental and technical analysis indicators have to be strong in order to be included in the portfolio. Basically, it's more stricter requirement. For instance, if the stock only 
has good indicators in fundamental but weak in technical, then I may not buy into the stock. Or alternatively, if technical is strong but fundamental is weak, I will also not touch. I will only buy if both fundamental and technical analysis are both indicate strong indicators, then only I will include into my portfolio at the point of entry. Then having said that, even if I apply both fundamental and technical analysis, it doesn't guarantee a return. It just basically reduces the risk of investment. Basically, it's like using two hands instead of one hand. You know, if I use only fundamental, I'm using one hand. If I use technical, I'm using another hand. But wouldn't it be great if I can combine both and then the analysis would be stronger? So I guess a lot of books out there usually emphasize on one area whereby emphasize on technical analysis or fundamental analysis. So in my book, under the concept of FATA, I actually combine both. And how do you incorporate both into portfolio analysis? So real quickly, what would be the kind of uh, criteria for a good company based on this FATA concept that you have? What would be the kind of like real quick identifiers for a good company or biggest red flags for a company that you would stay 1,000 miles away from? I think ultimately, fundamental analysis is still more important than technical analysis. So I will still go back to fundamental analysis whenever I want to analyze a company. So some of the criteria that I could use are like attractive valuation and maybe strong earnings growth, good management, attractive relation among its peers, strong balance sheet, good uh, dividend policy. So these are some of the criteria that we can use under fundamental analysis. So it doesn't mean that each of these criteria need to be fulfilled, but the more of these criteria are being fulfilled, then the chances of making money in the trade is possibly higher. Okay, but at the same time, having, you know, we go back to this FATA thing, right, uh, where it's a more kind of like, it's more than just doing one or the other. Does it then limit your options when you look at the stock market? Does it then limit kind of like what you can do, make it less, more rigid and less flexible in terms of how you look at your portfolio and how you deploy your capital towards what you want to get? In a way, it's true, Sim, that it's more stringent because there's more criteria that need to be fulfilled. But because money is involved, so it takes more effort to buy a good stock and it's okay to cross out certain companies. There are so many companies out there in the market. Sometimes not investing is a good thing, especially when there's a sell down. So when opportunity arises, when you have found a company that meet both fundamental and technical analysis, then only you buy into it. No harm waiting for a good stock to come by instead of just rushing into a stock just because you want to invest straight away into the market, which could be quite irrational decision making. What about the sectors that you're looking at, the specific sectors for all the, which the stocks are in? How do you should you segregate these uh, in your portfolio? Yes, I didn't touch on that. Same thing. You, it's good that you brought it up. Segregation of a portfolio should not just be on stocks, but also on sectors. Meaning that the portfolio should consist of various sectors, not just on one particular sector. So if you just bang on one particular sector, if anything happened to that particular sector, then the portfolio will be badly hurt if any, if it turns out to be bad. So it's important to have a diverse range on sectors. And how do you decide on which to uh, allocate more? Basically, based on reading, based on Malaysian market reading, based on international news, and also overweight on sectors which you think that is more promising and underweight on sectors that you think is less promising. 
So the portfolio, portfolio can be allocated from time to time based on the current trend. If you think that there's more promising sector going forward, then you will allocate more of the stocks into that particular sector. So it's a dynamic thing. It's not that stagnant. Yeah, it, it, it changes and moves as uh, the market also changes and moves. Um, we're going to take a short break for some messages. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. BFM 89.9. Welcome back. You're tuned in to Ringgit and Sense. I'm Sim Wee Boon. Today's topic is being your own fund manager, where I'm talking to former fund manager and author of the book, Be Your Own Fund Manager, Lim Mei Ching. Earlier in the show, we were talking about getting a bit of a thoughts on uh, what makes a good fund manager, the kind of traits you should have, um, what's in her book, which is uh, fundamental and technical analysis uh, as kind of like a core base to look at stocks. Uh, and right now, I want to talk about attachment, not being too attached to a stock. And this is something that happens to stock investors a lot when especially the stock that they pick is tanking, right? And in your book, you said cut loss at 25%. You know, I want to know, is, is that a general rule of thumb? Can this be adjusted? What kind of parameters should be set for cutting losses at 25%? Uh, thank you, Sim. I think this 25% is not a hard and fast rule. It can be lower level if you think that there's more downside risk to the particular stock. This 25% is just a threshold whereby I do not want the stock to fall more than 25% to protect the fund. It's basically buying an insurance that it, it doesn't want, I, doesn't, I do not want the, the stock to fall below five, 25%. And actually, 25% is actually one quarter of 100%. So you do not want your stock to fall more than one quarter. And if you realize, if just assuming I invest about 5% per stock basis and I cut loss at 25%, it will only affect about 1.25% of my 5%. So basically, it's very manageable. And I, it's easier to make a comeback if I make the wrong call. Talking about cut, cutting losses is probably one of the simplest things to do, which is to sell. But it's the most difficult thing to do. I can tell you that even a lot of experienced investors can still face this problem until today because of ego problem. And that's why it's important to be humble, to accept losses. I want to flip the conversation now. How, what about letting profits run? When do you lock in the gains? You know, what are the parameters to have before you kind of like decide to like, okay, this is enough money I've made or you just keep on going and going. But then when do we stop? That's a very good question, Sim. I think uh, that's why it's important to do a fundamental analysis to find the intrinsic value of a stock to get a target price so you know when to exit. And sometimes, if it's a good company, you can keep it for years to come because if the company is consistently growing, the earnings per share will actually continue increase. And when the earnings per share continue increase, your PE actually comes down. So there's no harm even if the company has gone up more than 50%. Assuming that if, still, if it's still trading way below its intrinsic value, there's no harm keeping on to it. If you want to take some profit and let your profit run, why not you take partial profit? You do not need to take all. For instance, just say I enter at 5% and it has gone up to 6 to 7% because of the appreciation of the particular share price. I can bring it down to 4%. So I lock in partial profit. But important thing is that to find the intrinsic value so that you have a target price and you know when to let go when you're supposed to let go. And continue to look out for the stock, understand the stock. Because once you, once you buy into stock, it doesn't end there. Uh, we, have to consist we have to consistently uh, put it in our watch list and see if there's further prospect in the company. 
if there's further prospect, then I will keep it into my keep it in my portfolio. But if the company is going downhill, then I may choose to let go of the stock or probably take some profit out of the portfolio. With all this that we've talked about, right? I think in your years of being a fund manager, being in in the investment world, being in the stock market, I mean, what do you you know notice uh, the fundamental mistakes that novice beginner investors tend to make very often? Mm, I guess some investor thought that investing in the stock market is definitely definitely a guaranteed return, which is actually wrong. There are times that market actually can cause investors to make losses. So it's very important that whatever invested in the stock market should be the extra savings that you have that you are willing to lose. And if you actually use the saving, you have actually better holding power. And there's less incentive to sell if the share price has fallen below its intrinsic value. So if you actually borrow money to buy, you have to pay for the cost of your borrowing and you may be forced to sell at a very depressed price even if you think there's further upside potential because the money is used from borrowed funds. So my advice is not to think that investing in stock market is a sure gain, but be prepared for volatility in the market, the ups and downs in the market. And um, you should be able to ride through it. If you're not able to ride through it, then maybe try not to invest too much in the stock market because it's not a guaranteed return out there. And I guess also apart from that, I've seen some investors who think that averaging down is a very good concept. What I mean by averaging down is that as the share price go down, they buy more and they buy more and buy more and do not know how to get out. It's basically like catching a falling knife. To a certain extent, this averaging down concept does work when technically it's already stabilized or when there's a technical reversal or the stock is heading towards uptrend. But what if the stock is still in a downtrend and the investor continue to buy? When the investor continue to do that, they are getting too attached to the particular stock and may not know how to get out. It can be quite detrimental to their portfolio and may lead to irrational uh, investment decision. So this averaging down concept may work at times, but investors have to be very careful to apply this concept if they really want to. I think most important is to diversify and to be detached from the stock, which is really, really not easy. So, so how do how do we keep all these emotions and ego in check to make sure that you're not carried away with a certain theme, a certain idea, a certain thesis? I guess it's very important to conduct both fundamental and technical analysis research, be your own fund manager. <laughs> so instead of relying on what people say, is to conduct your own research and to justify whether it's worth buying and to discuss the pros and cons of investing in the particular stocks. And it's fine to make losses. Losses is part of investment. You can't make gains all the time. So long as your gains are more than your losses, then it's perfectly fine to be stay invested in the stock market. And I think every trade that the investor do should not be taken personally, um, meaning that, uh, and also, as I said, it should be extra funds that you have to be invested in the stock market so that you can be emotionally detached from it and not affect you personally when you invest in the stock market. And don't rely just on a few research reports out there in the market. Read widely, have a few, have 
many research reports out there, read more and justify whether which is a which idea is a good one. So basically, I encourage investors to do their own research, have a own target price, and by having your own uh, conviction, you'll be less less influenced by um, what's what is the research out there. What I mean by primary research is that instead of just relying on secondary research, you can actually look at the annual report, look through the um, press release, the quarterly announcement, and make probably do your own forecasting as well. And that's all the time we have for Ringgit and Sense. I've been speaking to former fund manager and author of the book Be Your Own Fund Manager, Lim Mei Ching. If you're interested in the book, you can get it at MPH, Garabudaya, Kinokunia, or online. I'll be posting up the link on the description for this interview. Thank you for listening. I'm Sim Weeboon, signing off for The Morning Run. Join us again next week for more discussions on personal finance. We have the 10am news bulletin coming up next, followed by Enterprise, BFM 89.9. Ringgit and Sense on BFM 89.9, the business station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, the business station.